Hello there. Welcome to the Oblivious Maximus podcast for another week. I'm your host, Aaron Osborne. This week, I have a fantastic guest, Dave Giannis. Dave is a label manager for Epitaph Records in Australia, and also is a big fan of death metal and hardcore and metal, and has played in death metal bands and hardcore bands. And that's fucking sick, because I love the shit out of death metal, so I love talking about it, so... It was very fun to talk to Dave about death metal while drinking beers in the back room of my house, which has become a podcast recording studio, much to my girlfriend's dismay. I'm sorry, Doc. Um, But yes, this was a very fun chat. I've known Dave for a while through playing in bands and stuff um, and, I don't know, existing in the music industry. Um, So it was really fun to get him on to have a talk about playing death metal in Adelaide, playing hardcore in Melbourne, um, you know, growing up and finding a footing in the music industry and rolling that into a career and, you know, how he sees that working now with his life and interest in music and stuff. So it was really fun. Um, so yeah, there's that. Also last week I announced two more live podcasts, which is fucking cool. So the details for the live podcasts are... Saturday the 9th of July at Crowbar Black in Brisbane. I felt this time I should branch out of just Melbourne. So Trad and the guys at Crowbar have been very uh, gracious in letting me come to their venue and talk to some people. So at that podcast, I'll be talking to Inez Tullock from Def Cult. Rodney Holder, who does a very good podcast called the Music Business Facts Podcast. Rod also used to be an alchemist, a Canberra death metal band. So good tidbit. And Adrian Kelly from NMA Management, which is very funny saying that because he was sleeping on the couch behind me not two days ago. Um, But he is a manager, so come on, listen to him talk about the music industry, I guess. Um, That's going to be at five o'clock and it's free entry at the front bar at Crowbar. Um, And Young Henry's will be selling cheap tinnies all night, which will be fucking rad because they make awesome beer. And also, Shane Collins will be playing some music. Thank you, Shane Collins. This will be fun. My next podcast is on Saturday, the 16th of July, at the Reverence Hotel down here in Melbourne. And this one will be a little bit different than the last one. Um, It's going to be at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It'll be $10 to get in. And we're going to be doing two podcasts. So we'll be doing two shorter ones, probably about 45 minutes each. So the first one will feature Natalie Hendry, who's a lecturer and researcher. She has a very, very uh, long history with the punk and hardcore scene and, you know, is very smart about these sort of things that we're thinking about talking about. So it'll be very interesting hearing her chat. Uh, ben Searle from the Bad Times podcast or this podcast or Being Funny, he will be there. And Meg Gallagher, who was a guest of this podcast ages ago, who's an MMA fighter and an all-around legend, and it'll be really fun having her on to talk as well. Um, so after that podcast done, then Hoodlum Shouts are going to play, which is fucking rad again, because Hoodlum Shouts are from Canberra, and I'm from Canberra, and it fucking rules. So thanks to them for doing that. They have an awesome new record coming out soon too, so by then, it will be out. That'll be sick. Uh, and then the second podcast will be with Beck Riato from Death, Ru- Death Proof. PR, who's been on this podcast before and has helped out a lot with things, and that's awesome. So it'll be fun to hear her chat. Pat Fox, who hasn't been on the podcast before, but is a graphic designer. And Yelena from Outright. My old friend yells. She'll be there too, so that'll be fucking fun. Um, And yeah, those are the live podcasts. That one will also have some tinnies on sale from Young Henry's. And we might be doing a little giveaway of something at that show too, but we'll see how we go. Um, So those are the live podcasts. I'm really looking forward to them. Uh, I think we'll do some maybe like pre-sale things like we did last time for the Reverend show, but I'll figure that out this week. And if you just stay tuned to the Facebook and the Instagram and the Twitter and the website and whatever, you'll see details for that. However, in the meantime... um, you know, just enjoy listening to this podcast, guys. I really love the reaction I'm getting from a lot of the episodes, and it's fantastic. 
that people are giving me their ideas and advice on guests and things as well, because that always helps out when, you know, maybe I'm a little bit stuck about people who I want to talk to. But right now I have some awesome guests coming up. So thank you for the tips and, uh, you know, keep listening. So please enjoy Dave Giannis as my guest on Oblivious Maximus episode number 43. Fucking brutal! Dave, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us, Aaron. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for bringing beer to my house. Always need beer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. We do need beer. Um, all right, so all of them start off by asking how you first became interested or, I don't know, took fancy to music. What was the first thing for you? High school, I reckon. Um, wow, long, like mid-80s? Oh, yep. <laughs> a foggy memory, man. <laughs> it's a long way away. Uh, I don't know, what was it? I don't know, just hanging around mates at high school. We just sort of listened to music and and they back then it was what we start off on. Motley Crue, Girls, Girls, Girls. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. A classic record. Yeah, that was one of the first ones. Um yeah, it was just and then just from there on just music, 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 man. Yeah, it was just it was weird. It was it was awesome. It was just a collective of mates, you know, that was just at high school. Yeah. Back in Adelaide, um, I think eighty five to oh no, sorry. More than 73, so probably 88, <laughs> 88 to like early, early 90s in high school, just music was rad, good time. Yeah. Guns and Roses, Avatar for Destruction, it was, the, it was that and Motley Crue, Girls, Girls, Girls. Those are the big ones. Yeah, back then. So, at like, what was it like, whereabouts in Adelaide did you grow up? What was uh, like- Woodville, um, okay. so went to Woodville High, um, so you know, just suburb, standard sort of top thing, and parents went into music. You know, and uh, just the mates were all hanging out and, you know, dudes like Iron May go over a mate's house. He had all the Iron Maiden posters over his walls, you know, because of Eddie and all the artwork. And I was never being into Maiden, but I dug the art. Yeah. And it was just that, just hanging out with dudes who were, you know, it's like you get in high school, you hang out with mate, dudes who got certain same interests, you know. And all of a sudden you start talking and I oh, like this and like this. And that's how it sort of all just snowballed, I suppose. Like, yeah, just suburbs of Woodville, man, of Adelaide, Woodville. Yeah. Just nothing special, just... And, what, and what was what was it like in that sort of environment? Like having listening to that style of music was that really weird, or was that yeah. something that was okay around there? Or? Well, I mean, parents are always like, "You're going to outgrow this, David." <laughs> you're like, "No, I'm not, Mum. Look at me now, <laughs> yeah, no, right? I've got to jump out of it and all." Um, <laughs> it's music. Um, I know it was it was weird. It was sort of started. It was weird too because we and we listened to my well, Motley Crue and Guns like I said, but then we'd all it'd be, uh, what's the next thing that's heavier, you know? So, like, it was always a discovery thing because back then there was no social media, obviously, right? Yeah. So it was just like, we had, you have a couple of record stores in the city. One was called Veranda Music, which was run by George, this dude with long hair. He was in this band, Hell, mm-hmm. um, which was awesome. And then there was another one called Thrash, Warren Grunge in Adelaide. And they just had, you know, you just go in there and they, they just feed you music, you know? And, and it started with that. And then it would go, oh, what's next? Oh, this is a band called Slayer. Well, what's this Slayer band, you know? And, <laughs> And you hear this stuff, you hear, um, it was Raining Blood, or it might have even been Show No Mercy, but Raining Blood was probably the first one we heard. It was like, holy shit. Like, yeah. gone from, you know, Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses to like the next deal was like Metallica, Kill 'em All, you know, Slayer, Raining Blood, Anthrax, and Megadeth, the big four. Yeah. That sort of then we got into like that sort of thrash stuff as well. And just, I don't know, man, just sort of, it's, and then you, all your mates are the same and you're hanging out. We're all just going to school, and after school, we just go to everyone's house and we'd like, you know, there's a show called Adelaide called back then it was 3D Radio. I can't remember what the show was called, mate. It was called Power Surge for ages, and it just you'd be there with your cassette player and you'd be on a press record. You know, when that song yeah, yeah. came on, you'd go and we'd just be hanging out with mates. And all these dudes just went to Woodville High that were just were all starting to get into this heavy music, mm. uh, which was pretty cool, you know. And you know, we're like 14 to 16 in, in you know year nine, 10, 11, or whatever it was back then. And then it was just, just it was it was just a it was just fun just listening to music after school. Yeah. And then going and just discovering more music was awesome. So had you sort of at that point already started playing music and stuff as well? Or was that an interest that came yeah, after? Yeah, after it a little bit. Yeah, okay. Um, listened to it a lot. And then, you know, we just, we, me and my, my mate bought a bass for like a hundred bucks. And I bought, yeah. a, I bought a guitar for like this Washburn. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was like a James Hetfield look. Like, actually, it was, 
I remember it was Cliff em All video back then with VHS. Yeah. The Metallica video, Cliff em All. And um, James said they probably were playing Sanitarium at some uh, Belgian festival, Rotskill or something like that. One yeah. of these. And I was like, that's what I want to do. <laughs> it, was, it, was like, it was just like thrashing down Cliff Burton's thrash. I'm like, this is sick. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was, it was that back then the Cliff Mall video was, was awesome, man. It was just like all Metallica and them hanging out and all that sort of stuff. And we're like, drinking lots yeah. and fucking oh, around. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was like, this is sick. Yeah. So that sort of led to, um, I suppose, mucking around on the guitar for a while and then getting lessons and stuff. Yeah. Um, there was a band in Adelaide called Outrage who were like a speed metal. There was two main bands in like or three probably we used to go see. One was called Inflictor, one was called Berserker, who actually moved into the UK and tried their their, their gold. And they were like, but those are like Bay Area thrash sort of bands. Yeah. Um, and one was called Outrage, and they were like more like Forbidden, which were like a, a Bay Area thrash band, mm. like te- more technical sort of guitaring. Yeah. And so the guitarist in that band was doing guitar. We became mates, and he was older than me, but I'd go to their shows, and then. I just take around six packs of beer and he showed me how to play Slayer. You know, this is awesome. Yeah. Six pack of beer, Slayer, yeah, but awesome. So this kid's going to his house like on weekends and stuff, and me and my shitty guitar and I can't remember what he was playing, but he, he um, would just show me how to play like Slayer's Slayer riffs, yeah, or, or awesome. songs, Slayer, like Metallica, like Master of Puppets songs and stuff like that. Yeah, um, and was that like? Was getting into seeing those bands and I guess sort of the live element of stuff was that something that was like. I don't know, for me, that was like, you know, I'd listen to metal and stuff in my mum's, you know, in my house for years. And then, you know, like I went to one big show. I can't remember what was the first one I went to, but I, I went to like a big show. And then when I realized like, oh, there's local bands that do this too. And then I was like, that just took over my life after yeah. that point. Yeah. I mean, back, I suppose back then too, I mean, it wasn't, there was no internationals to come out. I mean, like it was not, there was, well, it was just the locals that were, that's what we knew, you know, and, yeah. and those bands. And there was, a, there was a punk scene going on too and a crust scene and bands like Hot Tomatoes and all that stuff in Adelaide. And, and then there'd be Melbourne, we'd hear about all these Melbourne bands as well that they were sort of forming more heavy like Acheron and Necrotomy, which have got to more, more towards the grind mm-hmm. um, and grindcore and death metal and stuff. But yeah, I suppose it was just like going to those shows. There used to be a venue called the New Century Hotel in Adelaide mm-hmm. where all those thrash bands used to play. It was just like, it was pretty much like um, the Bendigo of the Art House was here, but it was Adelaide's version probably in the late 80s, early 90s of just punk, metal and, and hardcore and, and thrash and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I was just going to those local shows there a lot and just seeing that. And then I remember when Metallica, because no international bands came out back then, and Metallica came out for Injustice for All tour. Mm-hmm. I remember I wagged the day, we always wagged the day off school. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so, sat out the front of, um, I think it was, that album came out 88, I think 89 the tour might have been. Yeah. And uh, so we wagged the day, sat out in front of Thebden Theatre in Adelaide, you know, just and it was like a massive bunch of kids, you know, there was this massive lineup from like, you know, 11 a.m. or something stupid, you know, like that. Yeah. They're not playing the fucking that night, you know what I mean? It just, but it was just like, it was the first big international metal band that we'd actually come to Australia. Yeah. And it was sick. And it was like, we couldn't believe it. I think they were supported by Mortal Sin, who were actually probably one of Australia's better thrash bands back in that yeah. day. They had that album, Mayhemic Destruction, and then they did Face of Despair, which got picked up and they did pretty well off. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was Metallica and, you know, going to, that was the first international one, which was, and that just... So it just we all just fed and we fed off that and and then we then you start talking to guys and you know it's like you go to shows and you start talking to people oh, let's form a band you know let's do this and yeah. let's do that and that's how it sort of went from there just some people going to these shows and then you'd you know you'd see them out at the local you know, local shows you start talking into the same music you know how it works and and, yeah. and that's how when you, even though we were, we were sh- I don't even know what the fuck I was doing back then you know what I mean but yeah it's, it's the formation of getting into bands, I suppose, Yeah, know, was then. And so what was the first sort of experience like for you being in a band? Was it... I don't know, it was... Yeah, I can't remember. It was... I mean, I remember for me it being like horribly exciting, just jamming and, yeah. but, and like all-encompassing. But when I think back on it now, like that must have been like jamming in my mum's garage and that those sort of bands and the things I was doing back then. I dread to think what... Yeah. Other people would have heard. <laughs> totally, man. Like, I mean, I mean, I've I've always just been a rhythm guitarist. I'm not like like you know noodly and like amazing. And I was just very simple, yeah, so guitarist. But um, I don't know. I think it didn't actually start playing in bands. We jammed at a dude's house. We we tried to like play, play Slayer and Metallica, but it wasn't until like we got into like the heavier stuff. Like it was more like Carcass and Napalm Death and um, 
Morbid Angel that then I started to hear that sort of music and then I was hanging around mates we went from mates who were into the thrash and as I said we're like into heavier stuff with like deer side and we try and find the next heavier thing and and then I've met some dudes like that and I've gotten better at guitar by then because you know I was just mucking around on Slayer and Metallica and I was a fucking hack dude. I was like, I don't know what the fuck I was doing. You know, I'm like, yeah, this sounds all right. And yeah. playing along to the CD or the tape or whatever back then was fine. But it wasn't until um, uh, probably the, the more the death metal, st- when I was going through that sort of phase and started listening to that, that I met these dudes. So we actually started to form band. We actually started to rehearse. And I think the band was called Execration when mm-hmm. we first started. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> it was like me and another guitarist and drummer and bass player. Um and we'd do like Suffocation and Morbid Angel covers and, and, and which we, we'd actually gotten better by then. But well, it was still, I mean, I'm only playing like death metal, you know what I mean? Like it was, yeah. it was, which was still technical, but it wasn't like tech, like whatever. And I think we just started playing stuff like that and, and Napalm Death and stuff and that, that's like Carcass and stuff. And then it just started, it was just in genuine, so let's form a band and the singer would go, oh, I want to write some lyrics. Yeah. Um, and then it did. And then we started off as this band, like this death metal band called Execration and it just, but it was probably fucking terrible, you know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. looking back now and just going, what the <laughs> fuck was I playing? Like, yep. all these wrists would have been shit house, you yeah. know? But, it's like, but it was just fun and it was just escape. Like, we used to work and, you know, you jam once or twice a week and you catch up with your mates have a few beers and you, you do that and yeah. that's what it was, you know? And then you play a show occasionally um, and then you'd, but also hanging out with other dudes who are into the same music, hey? Like, that's what yeah, it was, yeah. pretty much. And, like, <clears throat> I mean, wh- like, where was... Like, after you finished school and stuff, where did you sort of see yourself going? Or, like, did you not really know what you were going to do? No, I mean, I got into uni as a primary school teacher. That's what, yep. I, was, that's what I was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and parents wanted me to be. I'm well, not wanting me to be, but I thought that I was doing that. Mm-hmm. But then I, I worked in this record store in Adelaide. Um, it was called John... It was, a, it was like a Maya. It's called John Martin's. Mm-hmm. So I used to work there Thursday nights after school and Saturday mornings. It was like it was just like a record department like Maya would have back in the day, like, I think from about... 87 to like 91, 92. So I was working in, in, um, in record stores and that. And I was just totally lost what the question was. Uh, where did you go after school? So, oh yeah, like, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I was totally vague. That's down. all right. That's all right. <laughs> we out. do that sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah. So after school, we went, went and did that and just went to the record store and then, um, and just jammed in bands and sort of deferred uni yeah. for a year. And then I was like, and then I got a, actually I got a full time job, so I went from like Thursday night Saturday morning casual to a full time after left work because it was a job position going there. Mm-hmm. So I was working in this record store, and then I was like, "Oh, uni, mm, I've got I've got money here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't <laughs> need to go learn. Yeah, do I need to go to uni? Do I want to go to uni? Then my mates have got jobs, and then not most of or all my mates who were into the same thing weren't at uni. They were just doing jobs, whatever the job was back then. Yeah. Um, so I just sort of went to like work in a record store, I suppose, and did that for like three. It was like a record bar. It wasn't a store. It was like a, you know, a record department. Mm-hmm. So I did that for like four or five years. So that's sort of... And then the bands, I was always doing that in the band for a while, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and that's where the, after school, it sort of just went from that, like working there. And and then um, and then I then I, I think I, they wanted me to cut... I was growing long hair, obviously, being yeah. metalhead back in the day. Of course. <laughs> and they said... You know, I remember, I remember one of the supervisors going, "If you cut your hair, we'll give you the, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll bump you up a couple of positions." And I, and I being the fucking rebellious, fucking metalhead back then, I, I used to tie my hair back when I used to work there. I was like, oh, "Fuck that man!" You know, if you, if, if you can't take, take me the way I am, I'm leaving. So I actually left. Yeah, I went on the dole. Yeah, I just played music. Yeah, all right. Because um, back then, the dole in Adelaide, I mean, the rent was so cheap. Fuck, I mean, it was the three of us band members moved into a place in, in the city of Adelaide like, when we formed In Extremis, which was the band I was in, which Execration went In Extremis. Mm-hmm. We sort of moved into this place in Adelaide and had this massive lounge room. So we're like, we can, like the bass player lived in one room, drummer, and it was, we were a three-piece back then. And so we lived in this massive place and just jammed, just jammed. Yeah. And and lived on the dole and the downstairs, there was a record store called Thrash Growing Grunge, yeah. which is run by the guys who had this label called Dominator Records. Mm-hmm. Who put out the Marky Kane's early um, catalog? Yeah, like Battle Signal, that sort of stuff. No, the two brothers Kelly and Aaron. Aaron actually played drums in the Marky Kane. He played on the Illidies album, and awesome people. And then they had this label called Dominator, and then they wanted to put out the In Extremis stuff, um, which we, which were very fortunate. And so I just I go downstairs and put CDs together and, and yeah. hang, out, hang out in the record store, and yeah. people. And that was, it was more that was more of total punk, grindcore, death metal crust sort of type shop mm-hmm. so it was heaps of fun we're living upstairs 
on the dole, jamming. I'd go downstairs, I'd hang, I'd hang out at the record store for a bit. and Yeah. It was, it was fun. Yeah, that's sick. It was awesome fun. It was a good time. It was, a, it was just an awesome record store and Verena Music was still going in the city and like, Verena was right in the heart of the city and this was a bit on the outskirts of Adelaide and, and Thrash Growing Runs was around for a few years and the Dominator was. Um, so it was just a, it was just a really cool time, you know. We just, I was just, I was young dude, and I was just, I think we were paying, oh, fuck, fifty bucks each a week for rent. That's so crazy. Like, it was so cheap. It's Adelaide, a, it was Adelaide, and B, we were talking about early 90, 93, 94 and I was like, I think the whole joint was one hundred and fifty bucks between the three of us. It was like, so we're getting a dog going, yeah, we can get our dog checks, and because we weren't, you know, we just we eating fucking cans of fucking tuna and shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> we didn't give a shit back then. Yeah, you know, and then. And then just drinking and playing and then helping out in the record. So we weren't, we weren't getting paid for the record. I mean, I was doing that, actually. The drummer was doing something else and bass player was doing something else. But I wasn't getting paid for the record. So I was just helping out. It was, yeah. It was just cool fun to be around, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I guess that's that's another thing, too. Like, being being a part of that as well, you know, you doing the things like making up the CDs and yeah. going to the shop. Like, it's all just going into that life you're living, I suppose. Yeah. It was good fun. It was just a good time. And... And also being in the record store, when every time new music came in, it was like, it was sick. You could just put this thing, something new on. You got to hear all the, you know, new bands that were coming out in the scene internationally and, all that, and locally. Yeah. So it was just, I don't know, back then it was just, you didn't really care about work as much, which, you know, probably shouldn't really say that, but, you know, it was just didn't, just didn't <laughs> no, really. No, no, I know what you mean. I'm like, a young too, man. I was 20, you know, and I didn't know what I wanted to do while I was 20. I was having fun. I was playing in a band and I was hanging out and, and touring a little bit and, well, that sort of stuff. So it was fine, you know? Yeah. And how did you find doing things like touring and stuff back then? Was was it difficult or was yeah. it like, was it hard for you guys to manage that being, you know, like in a metal band from Adelaide and yeah. stuff? Or? Yeah, it was so hard. I mean, back then, it's, I mean, I don't say I'm talking because it was a long time ago, but it was just different touring back then. It was, um, you know, you played in your home state and like, I mean, bands like Christbad had come over and damaged yeah. And you play all these bands and, and like a Bremlin and Necrotomy and all these Melbourne bands would come over. Sydney bands come over sometimes. It was because it was, it was back then too, you couldn't fly anywhere because the airfares were so expensive and yeah. you, had to, you had to hop in that Tarago and just drive somewhere, you know. And being in Adelaide, mm. I mean, going to Melbourne wasn't so bad, but going to Sydney was a, a bit of a fucking, it's a bit of a, it's like a yeah. 16 hour, <laughs> yeah. like a 20 hour drive, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was good fun, you know. It's just, you play. And back then too, like if you if if damage came over or a crisis, they'd take you over to Melbourne, you know, and say, "Hey, come out, come to Melbourne." And you know, back then we'd take no money when they came to Adelaide, pretty much, and mm. give them all the money because they travelled. Yeah, and then they'd do vice versa for us. So it was this cool thing going on. Yeah, where um everyone would just look after each other like that. And so yeah, that, so that was good for touring. I mean, but it was still hard. I mean. I remember we'd, we'd, we'd play some shows in Sydney, you know, and so you'd leave. And also, also too, you're trying to keep costs down because money back then, gigs were like, you know, 5 or $10, you know, so you weren't making yeah. a shit ton of cash and you had merch, yeah. obviously. But so we always like, there's one time we went to Sydney and um, I think we played with City Execution and, and Damaged up there uh, at the Bolo Club in Sydney, which was like the bowling club, which is right near um, the corner of Parramatta Road and one that goes on the King Street or something. Yeah, yeah. So they used to have gigs there. And so we'd leave Adelaide at a certain time, but we had to have the van back by two days by that day. So yeah. we would have to pay the extra 80, 80 or 100 bucks. Yeah. You know? So we ended up playing like a Friday night in Sydney and then, or a Saturday, we played like a Saturday night in Sydney and then a Sunday night we played at this joint feedback in Newtown with a bunch of punk and crust bands. We'd load out straight after the show and drive straight back to Adelaide, mm. you know, because that's, we couldn't afford to have that extra $100 bill you know because we just had no money back then you know yeah, yeah as well so but it was all part of the fun you know like it would just as i said as i said before we were young we didn't really give a shit it was like yeah let's fucking do it yeah yeah you know? like, let's drive 20 hours yeah, I know. <laughs> after playing a show at feedback and yeah and in new which was up at this cool venue in newtown yeah um with a bunch of with a bunch of cool bands but um yeah so it was different then like touring we didn't, we didn't really tour much a lot from adelaide like, we were in Adelaide for a while um and we we're very lucky too man because Back then in Adelaide, there wasn't a lot of death metal and grind bands. Like for any sure. extremists, pretty much every international that came through, we got the support. You know, so we were very lucky. Like, fuck man, we played with Sepultura on the wow. on the Chaos AD tour. We okay. had we had a demo cassette out, yeah, a three song demo cassette out, and this um, guy in Adelaide who ran Louis Young, who ran who was on the this metal show, 
put our name forward for the Sepultura support. And we're like, oh, yeah, whatever. Like, oh, yeah. And he goes, hey, guys, you guys are going to be playing the Sepultura. And we're like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, it was Sepultura, Sacred Reich and Us. Fucking hell, At Thevenin Theatre, 2,000 people sold out Chaos AD tour. We don't know what the fuck we were doing, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's these three dudes who were three-piece. Uh, just, I, was, I remember, I, I don't even know if I got stoned before or not because I was fucking shitting myself. <laughs> I was just totally shitting myself going, I looked out into the crowd and went, fuck, there's a lot of people out there, man. And we've never played like to that many people before, yeah. obviously. Um, and it, obviously it was, a, it was a big trip, but I can't remember it really, to be honest. Like I think I played and it was over like a flash, you know, and, yeah, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. But that was awesome. But all, all these bands that we come through Adelaide, we were lucky we got the supports. Like we played with Carcass, Cannibal Corpse, Bolt Thrower, Napalm Death, Fear Factory. Um, That's crazy, though. So and because we, we were only one of the only bands back then doing that sort of thing. And yeah. so when it came to, and then we got to a point where I think people in LA were like, oh, fucking it's Jemis again. But it was like, there was no one else doing stuff back then like in, in the mid in the mid 90s. Mm. Um, like the heavy death metal stuff. Yeah. A, a couple of bands like, Embodiment started as a, like a Christian death metal band. There was a few others around like that, but it wasn't wasn't a lot. Yeah. Um, so we were very lucky, man. And but then after a while in Adelaide, we played around for years, and we thought, oh, and we, you know, it was just touring was a bit of a pain in the ass. So like, let's move to Melbourne. Yeah. So that's when the whole thing came about. We sort of packed up from that place we're living above the record store, and went, you know, let's go move to Melbourne and give that a shot. Yeah. And it would be easier to tour. You come out to Adelaide and play shows easy, but going to Sydney or Canberra because back then too Canberra. Metal, yeah, like killing it. Obviously, you know you're from there, but metal for the brain. We played a couple of those. Mm. Cameras metal scene was, I mean, it's probably still is, but it was back then with the Alchemist and Armored Angel, all those sort of bands. Yeah, it was killing it, dude. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know metal for the brain. Everyone travels, but you know, uh, I think I think the the cool thing about that. I mean, you know, and I came into that stuff, you know, at the later end of it. But I think from what I know, and you know one of the guys in my band was in bands like that and stuff too, you know, like Josh, Josh, yes, know. Right. yeah, yeah. And you know, stayed at Josh's house one night. Yeah. I think we probably, probably did. <laughs> Can't remember it, but we probably did. Yeah. yeah. yeah we did. Um, but you know, like, and I think a big thing that he always talks about with that stuff is that there was like just a great level of organization there. Like he's, you know, that, that was sort of what aided them. There was good venues and then there was good sure. organization. Yep. So yeah, true. In a time it, where previously there wasn't much happening, that sort of helped bolster it quite a bit. hundred percent. I mean, I mean, even just metal for the brain. I mean, we only played two, but there was a few of them, but they were just so well organized. It was like, man, this is really cool. And then, yeah. And it was at the uni. Yep. Canberra uni. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's right. Um, but even shows, we mean shows, to go there, like, you know, you could go, if we, because we're living in Melbourne, you could drive up to Canberra, six and a half hours play a show, then drive to Sydney. So for us to move to Canberra made more sense. Yeah. I mean, to move to Melbourne made more sense because for touring it was way, way easier, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was a, yeah, that was a good thing. And we moved over here and um, we all just like, because we it was damaged, we, we too were damaged quite a lot. Um, back in the day, we were really tight with those guys and, and, um, so we used to, they used to have this house on Brunswick Road in Brunswick, which is like this two-story house, and actually the dudes from Damage used to live there, and dudes from Dreadnought. So we'd always stay there. It was just a two-story house with heaps of rooms and, you know, like this, and you would just sleep on the couch. Yeah. So, you know, a couple of the guys moved in there, and then I moved in with Fuller from Blood Duster. Mm-hmm. On the side, I had this lounge room, had this mattress on the side, so it was just me, him, and the drummer from Blood Duster back then. And so... We just thought, let's just do it. Let's just move over and we'll just crash where we can crash for a few months and get our shit together. And yeah, it went from there. And and did you notice, did you notice that, like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I think I actually haven't brought it up with that many people, but I think that for me, at least coming here, um, you know, I came here for a, not for a similar reason. Like I came here for a relationship reason, but then I knew coming here, I was like, it's going to be so easy to start bands. It's going to be easy to go to shows. There's going to be a lot more to do. And I think when I first moved here, I'm not sure what it was like back when you moved here, but when I moved here, I was like kind of overwhelmed initially. Like, sure. fucking hell, this is like, this isn't like living in Canberra where it's every Friday there's one thing and then the next Friday there might not be. But here it was like, oh shit, you can play a show any day of the week yeah, for sure. and it'll probably be fine yeah like, for sure you know? yeah 100 percent. We, we found that too i mean adelaide I mean, is a pretty small place too you you couldn't overplay there you yeah. probably play once a month you mm. know or, or whatever it was and um but here i mean i mean bands still didn't play too too like you wouldn't play too much but you could play at the gb in richmond or you come over you play somewhere in brunswick or you played on the sb in st Kilda. so you could almost play a couple of shows 
a weekend just into because it was weird too because Adelaide everyone goes out in the city yeah yeah whereas when we moved to Melbourne we I was, as you know too now mm. it's like everyone sort of sticks to their areas but people, people don't really go to the city just go to a hi-fi bar gig or, or whatever like so it's weird like everyone sticks in their own areas yeah yeah a lot, a lot and there's more. kind of different communities in each of those areas totally. as well yeah. yeah and you had the tote like you know the tote crowd which even though there was still been some metal shows back then. And then yeah, yeah, had the GB, had the, the Prince of uh, Prince of Wales even had some metal shows. Had the SB, and the art house was still more punk and hardcore back then um, when we first moved here. And so it was, it was and oh, the Punters Club had, had metal shows back then in Fitzroy. Yeah. So it was, just, it was still it was still pretty spread, and they're all like you know three hundred you know room, three hundred cap rooms and that sort of stuff. But I suppose the GB, the Great Britain Hotel, was um, was an institution for Melbourne metal, I would say, one of the ones for sure. And, yeah. And crust and punk. Mm. And so how did that sort of, you know, your life here then develop from that then? Was that, was, you know, how long were you spending just focusing on playing metal and stuff in Melbourne? Or once you got here, was that something where you were like, oh, now I need to get some finances together? Yeah. Or like, where did that sort of change from? Yeah, it was... Um... I mean, it was a big, like, Melbourne was, I mean, it's still a, it's obviously a decent sized city. And, mm. um, I was very lucky that we had a lot of friends and support group crew over here that we toured with all these guys. So the guys from Damage were always very supportive. If you need somebody to crash, yeah. you crash at my house and, and some of the blood duster guys and all those guys back in the day. Um, but it was like, I still was on the dole here for a while, um, and playing in, in that, in that band in Extremis. Mm. We all were, um, not that we were making any money out of it. it was even back then in Melbourne in the late nineties, it wasn't that expensive. We lived, and I, like I said, I was on a on a mattress in the corner of Fuller's lounge room. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> <laughs> a great place to be. I'm <laughs> sure. Oh man, hilarious. So um, yeah. so it was that, and then I then I found these other guys. I moved in with other dudes who went into music, who were friends of with damaged guys, and they were like, well, they've been every damaged show, been to all of our shows. So I moved in with them in Brunswick. So I suppose you know back then it was just still on a doll. Um, still playing bands, you know, for a while, you know, or for any shows for a while until that sort of petered out, unfortunately. Um, and then just what did I get? To, what did I do after that? I think we, I think I just got a job at a warehouse job at Shock Records. That's how I started like working in actual in the actual industry. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, which I got I got to thank, I got to thank Simon Dower actually, um, who's the singer from Akron and Bremerland for two things. <laughs> for one. When I was at the New Century Hotel in Adelaide, they were the first death metal band that I saw live. Like, I think me and my mates were like, who's this band from Melbourne coming over called Act One? They came over with a band called Necrotomy. We're like, we had, we're like, who are these bands? And then we went to the New Century Hotel and we hadn't seen live death metal before. We were into it, but we hadn't really seen it. And we're standing there and this dude with long hair, he's got this massive long hair and they start playing his heavy we're like, oof. Then he just turns around and goes, we just went, oh, shit. <laughs> so, yeah. like, and that was, like, our thing. We're like, hey, we want to do this thing. We want, we want to do death metal. Yeah. So that's one thing. Like, and two, he worked at Shock Records um, back in the, in the late 90s. And he was, like, a label manager. Did, like, Metal Blade and looked after some of the metal labels. Mm-hmm. So I was, like, to him, hey, I'm, I'm living in Melbourne. You know, you know, we're playing these bands. But, you know, I need some casual work, you know, money and whatnot. So he goes, I'll, I'll have a chat to people at Shock Records. And they were in Northcote at the time. And... I remember I went there seven Fridays in a row, because I remember this, and asked for a job. Yep. And on the seventh one, I fucking got a job. I went, yeah, come in on Monday, you can have a casual <laughs> job. Packing, just packing CDs, man. Yeah, That's yeah. That's all I was just doing, just fucking packing CDs and packing orders, like taping up boxes, packing orders, and doing that sort of shit. Yeah. And he helped me get that job. You know, yeah, right. Which, which, was, which was awesome. Because mm. um, he had the contact, he worked there, and he sort of put in, obviously, a nice word for me. Yeah. So that's when I started working at Shock. So I was... Working in a shock warehouse, just casual. They just go, you know, come in tomorrow, or you know, no, don't come in tomorrow. We'll call you. So it's just casual work, and then playing bands and the So I thought, fuck, this is pretty sweet. I've got yeah. some, I've got some income. And it's in the music industry. I mean, I mean, I'm packing boxes in a warehouse, which is cool. Yeah, and I'm still playing in my bands. So that's that's good sick. Time. Yeah, that's but it. although Melbourne is a, definitely it was a, a harder place to live than Adelaide. Yeah, like rent was a little bit, even though rent wasn't heaps, but it was a little bit more, and just. It's just um, like, like back then. I mean, our our when we split up, our bass player actually moved back to Adelaide because he didn't like it. Like mm. I think Melbourne, if you get past that first six months to a year, yeah, you're probably gonna stay here for a while. But some some people moved here back then and were like, nah, they'd move back to where they were from. Yeah, I mean, I, I found that certainly when I came here, like even though I was in a relationship and stuff, when I when I moved here, I was still like. 
like I don't know I guess you don't know it unless you're from somewhere smaller but mm. like there were so many things that I was just like oh this would be so much fucking easier if I was at home yeah. and like things like driving on the freeway <laughs> like every time I got on the freeway I was like I want to kill myself yeah, like, and trams yeah. like, like, <laughs> yeah. what the fuck are these right, hand, right hook turns who the fuck invented that you know like, which I get it because of trams but yeah and it was well because in Adelaide it was, it was like I said probably the same as Canberra you know, it was pretty, it's pretty, it's smaller. Everyone goes in the same area. But here, like to get from, you know, Northcote to St. Kilda. Yeah. It's not really that far, really. But you just go, oh, fuck, it's a mission. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? i got to plan my day around yeah, this yeah, one like, trip. You know, yeah. You know, I'm fucking um, going to drive down Punt Road. Oh, that road fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so did that, so getting that job there and starting off on that stuff, was that... When you started doing that, did you see, like, this is a... I mean, obviously, you'd been playing music for a long time by that point. Was that, like, a conscious thing in your mind there? That, like, you wanted to sort of funnel a, you know, financial profession out of it, I suppose? Or was that something that just sort of happened by yeah. circumstance? Yeah, I don't know. I think it just... You know, I started as a casual there, and then they put you on full-time. So I went from a casual in the warehouse to a full-time in the warehouse. Mm-hmm. Um, which was good, you know, because you had constant money coming, which was nice. Um, as you get a bit older, you go, you know. And and also, too, back then, I suppose, you knew the music we were playing, we weren't going to make, you know, a bunch of money out of it, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, of course. So, yeah, it was sort of, I mean, and, but all that, by that time, too, any extremists had probably stopped and that's when the other bands I'd formed after that, like Within Blood and stuff like that, were, um, were probably starting around then, too. Yeah. But, um so that that was just that wasn't there was no money in that so it was just yeah I suppose I don't know it was weird it was just going and working in the warehouse and, and you know you go and you talk to people in the office and then I think after that I um, there was a job in telesales at Shock and mm-hmm. that's right and I've been a, in the warehouse for a couple of years and I just went for a job which was just pretty much taking like people ringing up and placing orders you know and you just key these orders like fucking you know like Missing Link would ring up as an example or Sanity at fucking Bill Connor would ring up, you know, and yeah, yeah. place an order. So I went from working in the warehouse full time to working in telesales at Shock. And it wasn't until I probably got into the office and doing the telesales thing and then you're around more the label managers and you're around because you're having these sales meetings and they're talking about marketing and, and all that sort of stuff. But it wasn't until then that I went, oh, this is actually all right. Like, I don't mind this. Like, yeah. I still like playing in bands, which I, I still I, I was, but... Oh, what's going on? I can see something happen, might happen there. If you know yeah, I mean. right. Because also, so when, when you're young, as you know, like, you know what the hell you're going to be. Like, as I said, I went to uni and mm. I mean, I was still, I, mean, sorry, I was, got into uni but didn't go because I was like, eh. And then you think about, oh, should I go into uni or probably oh, whatever. But then it's just these things happened. And, yeah. And I thought, well, it wasn't, wasn't until I got into the, the, like I said, the telly sales at Shock that I was like, oh, this is actually pretty cool. And so I got, you know, good, you know, it was Australia's <laughs> biggest distributor back then. Yeah. The number one independent, sorry, distributor. So I was like, this is pretty cool. And, you know, you get to meet, and it's just meeting people, you know. So it's like, it's like anything, man, it's just relationships and meeting people. Yeah, yeah. I think, and I think that's something that's sort of like, I mean, it, it bleeds over into other fields as well, obviously. But I think like this, I mean, industry or scene or whatever in of itself too, like some of the best things about like finding achievements, like getting a job or, you know, creating something in it comes from just interacting with people totally. which is awesome like totally. that's i i love that that's how you know you move within that because i mean i've always even though like i i studied teaching like i have a teacher oh, right. okay. awesome. right. <laughs> but like there's you know things like that uh you know like i that's a different part of my life that's you know great that i do it but yeah, for sure. at the same time it's like I haven't, you know, I don't find enjoyment out of getting jobs from sitting and doing an interview. Yeah. Like it's been way cooler getting opportunities to do things and like developing things like being in a band or doing this yep. or whatever, yeah. going on tours and stuff just from like having a drink with someone. Yeah, and then sure. you're like, oh, fuck, this cool things come up. Now I get to like, you know, going to do a tour overseas. Totally, like man. just because I'm friends with some guys. Then I got to go to Europe and someone gave my band a little bit of money for it, which That's is like, awesome. it's awesome. This, this is the fucking, this is the dream. Yeah. It's, like, it's, it's weird. It's like music. It's like, I mean, you know, obviously I work in it and, and stuff, but it's, if you, it's, sometimes you got to jump outside that and go, man, like, 
you know, it's, it's worth, I, I could be selling toilet paper, you know what I mean? Or, 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 or whatever, you know what I mean? To be honest, to be honest, actually, if I had actually think back now, I would like to have been a teacher, like as well, you know, and, and done that sort of thing. I mean, you, you've obviously studied it. Do you teach? Have you ever... No, I, I don't teach, no, no. but I, I work in childcare, so yeah. I'm oh, awesome. in the field. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah. And sometimes I think back and go, oh, I wonder if I had done that, you know, and I, I probably would have you know, liked it, I'm not sure, but there's a beauty about music, man. It's just people who are like-minded and, and have a passion about something and and you don't have to be this i mean i'm all for studying don't get me wrong and 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 doing and because some people cause we get people in at work who are um doing work experience say for example and they've got these marketing degrees or they're from the jmc academy and doing all these things but and and not to i always say to them too like we because we had to have one-on-ones with them all that sort of stuff and so sometimes it's just i mean two of the girls who are working in the office that i work in started as just interns and then they did a good job mm. they weren't they didn't study in it but it's just Having that foot in the door, you know, yeah, and, yeah. And, and if you and if you, you know, if you're not a fucking dick, you know, you, yeah. you, you can pretty yeah. much. Yeah, you know, you're a good person. You can, you're autonomous. You can do, you can do anything, and people can get along with you. Then that's the beauty, and, and happens a lot in music. You know what I mean? Like whether it be bands or, or work or whatever. It's just, I don't know. It's this, it's this unspoken. Like, I don't know. It's just this thing that just goes on that. that it's, it's pretty special, hey. I reckon. Yeah. That, you know that that. You know, I mean, I haven't done, I haven't studied, and I haven't got a marketing degree, and I'm, and I'm very lucky that I've fallen into this job where I am doing marketing, but I don't have a degree in it. And yes, there are some people I know who I work with who do have a degree, but it's like that. Like you just, passion goes a certain certain way, but also you learn things along the way with, with things as well. Yeah. Right? And you, and it's all about just who. It's, it's a lot of times it's who you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think was, well, and, and how you interact with totally, them. Too. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. and it's just. And it's also and and just being humble about it all, you know, and, and just trying to do the best you can. And but it's just it's a foot in the door, like you said. It's just who you, it's. The thing about music is like you said, you can you talk to a band or you're like, oh, I want to take your band to Europe. And you're just going, oh, like you had a few beers. It's like yeah, yeah. Some 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 people sign bands at two a.m. in the morning when they're both blind and going, yeah, you're unreal. I'm gonna sign to you. You know what I mean? Like or whatever. <laughs> I'm like, that's a pretty extreme example, but you know, it's just <laughs> the fact you can have a couple of beers with someone and and shit can go down. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's just, yeah, it's just. I don't know. It's, it's it, sometimes I think we, sorry, I'm probably dribbling here a bit, no, but right. but I think we, um, being in industry and we're in it so hard, we just go, oh, it's work, 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 work. But if we actually step back for a second and just go, this is actually a pretty cool thing that's going on here. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like, But you don't actually know that because you're in the crux of it. Yeah, yeah, sure. And, so, and so, probably same with bands too. You know, sometimes bands don't realise how lucky they are. You yeah, know, like, I'd say a lot of them. Don't yeah, yeah, yeah. You know like what I mean? Like, and that happens. Like, yeah, it's like, man, you got to do that and that. That's like pretty cool, man. Like, you mm. know what I mean? Like, talk to your mate who's who's working in a warehouse out in fucking butt fuck where whoever knows is who's packing boxes at a forty degree temperature. You're fucking lucky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We fucking all, knows. I think we all need a reality check you know, somewhere on the way. You know of what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. And I think, and I mean. There's things that obviously can like humble you and bring you down to earth. But I think at the end of the day as well, it's sort of the onus is on you, you know, to appreciate what you've got as well. Like anybody can bitch about what they don't have. Yeah, for sure. But having the ability to recognize that like, oh fuck, like I'm in a very, you know, you know, fortunate position here to, to do what I want to do. And, you know, like similarly, I, I don't you know, work in the area of music, but I've had so many things come to me oh, and opportunities come yeah. to me because of playing stupid fucking stoner rock songs on guitar. Like, but, I, you but, know, but that's, that's awesome, man. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's, 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 an, that's, that's pretty cool though. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think, yeah, we just, it, it's a hard thing. And everyone wants more. I think everyone gets taste. And, and then, you know, you work, you know, some bands, I mean, fuck, man, you, you talk to some bands and you hear and whinge about stuff, you go, fuck, really? Like, seriously, <laughs> dude, like, fucking get over it. You've done you've done this, this, and this, and this. Go yeah, fucking, yeah. like I said, well, go pack boxes and warehouse in 40-degree temperature out of fucking broad meadows and tell me how fucking good you've got. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, fuck. A trip to broad meadows will <laughs> <Yeah>. really <laughs> shock your senses. Well, I'm not just broad, sorry, sorry broad meadows people. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, it's, like, it's like people just, you know, it's, some people just will always not, not be happy, but it's, and I think, I think too, in the modern era that we live in of music there's a lot of there's a lot more pressure on that type of thing to to do well and all that sort of stuff you know as well I yeah think. so i guess let's step back a little sorry bit i'm probably just no 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 that's fine it was good <laughs> um so once you like obviously you know you sort of grew up playing death metal and doing a lot of that stuff and that's what got you here then obviously you started 
you know, playing more in the hardcore scene yeah. once you were living in Melbourne. Was that like a change that came easily for you or was that something that was like a bit of just over time gradual growth into playing that sort of music? Yeah, well, well, well I suppose like there's a band out there called Force Feed Nine who, um, who are good friends of ours and, and we played some shows with. Mm-hmm. Um, they were introducing us or myself, you know, to like bands like Integrity and Earth Crisis and and sick of it all. I mean, we listen to sick of it all. We listen to Pennywise and sick, well, Pennywise more punk, but we listen to sick of it all and Vision Disorder and Madball, you know, mm. back in the day. And then they and they would introduce us to bands like yeah, like Earth Crisis and Integrity and and so I started getting a bit more hardcore when I was in Adelaide before we'd left. And then Mindsnare came over and played a show once. I saw them. I didn't know the guys at the time and and um and I thought this is cool. And and I was going through a bit of a stale phase in metal because metal went then to new metal. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm not really vibing on this as much. And and then I was listening to this hardcore music. And I was going, fuck, these riffs are tough and they're brutal. And they're almost like they're almost like death metal riffs, you know. But it's just the singing is a little bit different, and they're all got short hair. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it was just like it was <laughs> yeah. like short haired metal dudes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, playing especially integrity, like that was some evil stuff. And that was, you know, if you listen to to oh, not the same, but if you listen to Dear Side and Morbid Angel, that's all really not, like minor notes and stuff. If you listen to integrity, you're going, oh, that's some Nah, yeah, yeah, stuff going on there, you know. So sure. that's what got me into it there. And then when I moved over here, I'm, I sort of went to a show. I remember the, 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 the actual show was um, Collingwood Town Hall, and it was Mind Snare. I don't know if they were called Mid Youth Crisis and a One Inch Punch. It was that, and this band called the Hymns. They would take was this female fronted hardcore band, mm-hmm. and that's when I met the Mind Snare dudes. Like Nigel, um, and we, we've, I think we talked about we talked before like, in exchange of Mind Snare doing some shows or whatever. Back rewinding a bit and. But then that all sort of petered out. But then we we're at the show and he said, let's go for a beer. And then we sort of went for, for a beer. And then I met Matt Mourner from Mindsnare and all those sort of guys. And they were all the, all the Mindsnare guys. We became pretty close. Yeah. They go to Adelaide and they go back to Adelaide and play. And I'd hop in Nigel's. Nigel had this Valiant. <laughs> of course, in this Wong, yeah. this Wong Chariot fucking <laughs> um, panel van. That's right. And so when Mindsnare used to go to Adelaide then, I used to sit in the back of the panel van and they'd build this gear around me and I'd go back and I'd, you know, they'd play shows back in LA and all that sort of stuff. And then that sort of, with Matt and I met, then I met Brad who used to play in Mind Snare and Blood Duster and we just started talking, going to all these hardcore shows about doing this band and that's how Within Blood sort of came along, I suppose. It was just, I was a bit bored with what was going on in the, in the metal world and especially because new metal and some of the death metal bands had done all these new records and I was like, oh, this is sucking i'm not really liking it. yeah sure. it's just a phase i suppose maybe and yeah and then i was just this was hard because we had all this energy and hell this you know the, the shows i'd go to a few shows that like wax and, and all these all ages shows and it was fucking chaotic i'm like holy shit like these kids are going mental yeah you yeah. Know, you'd, see, you'd see mind snare or um or force fed nine or any of those bands that they play or balance from new zealand i saw them come over a couple of times and it was just intense and like i'm liking this mm. so then we just sort of matt Maunder asked me to do a band with him and i've got, got this guy brady to be my and we want to do like a New York hardcore sort of type band. I was like, sick, I'm in. Yeah. You know, so it's just like, you know, we want to do a agnostic, fronty, madball, sick of Ollie type band. Yeah, yeah. And that's how that sort of came about, just meeting those dudes and hanging out with them. And then obviously Matt and Nigel and, and Brad, who, was, who wasn't playing a band then, I don't think. I think he wasn't playing Mindset of Left Blood Dust or Mindset. Yeah, it was just like doing not much. Mm. Um, introduced me to a whole bunch of hardcore as well. Yeah, yeah. So that's when I started, went, went from that whole metal thing into the hardcore but even for me hardcore was was metallic riffs anyway it was like it's just, yeah. it was metal riffs well, th- it was just with different beats like breakdowns different beats and different vocals yeah well that, I mean that was the same thing for me like I, I got into it after having well you know like when I got asked to play in a hardcore band I had hair down to my ass and was playing in a death metal band with dudes that were like 15 years older than me and I was like oh I'll play with your stupid band at youth centers like this will be fine and then after like three months I was like there's heaps more people at the show at this <laughs> fucking youth center yeah, than yeah, there yeah. are with the serious death metal. Yeah, band yeah. It was, it, you're right, too. It was very serious. Like, yeah. Metal was so serious. Yeah. It was, right? 100%. Well, that, I mean, that, and that was the thing that I, that sort of, I think that was the thing that drew me to it the most was, I mean, I fully still love serious, silly death metal. Oh, for sure. 100%. Like, but at the same time, my personality and how I act and how I have relationships with friends was far more suited to like having fun and yeah, enjoying yeah, yeah. myself. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah for sure. Yeah. Not being heap serious. Yeah, everything, for you know? sure, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally hear you. I mean, there were, I mean, there were some serious hardcore bands that they had this message. Yeah. And 
which I sort of got, but sometimes you just take with it. I mean, you take anything with a mm. pinch of salt, whatever. But you're right, death metal was so it was so serious, and and we were all so serious and and trying to be like that. It was like, oh, hang on a minute, I'm just a mellow, I'm just a mellow dude. Wants to have some yeah. fun, you know what I mean? So, yeah, exactly. So I think we just gravitated toward that, and then all my, you know, it's also too the, the people you hang around. Yeah, like unfortunately, I mean. And then uh, it sort of started hanging around Nigel and all those guys, and then a lot of the people I hang around was, was into hardcore. You just sort of float into those circles, and then they start introducing music, so they go on all these shows, and then you start listening to more and more of that stuff, and then you know, all, and all the subgenres of that, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so, d- did that sort of stuff then as well, like being a part of that other scene and stuff? Did that sort of end up flowing a little bit concurrently with what how your professional life it ended up too like or was that something that was existing totally separately of how you were playing music yeah i always it was always a massive separation too i think being i mean was, i mean i was shocked doing tele sales and then i'd i'd move up the rung of of tele sales so i was like you know started here taking the inbound calls and then i'd move up to actually having having clients having customers that i had to call and sell stuff to and and i was still doing within blood then i'm pretty sure um and but I never used, and then I was getting more and more contacts in the in the music industry world. But I was never using that for that purpose. I was I always kept them totally separate. Yeah, right. So I was never like trying to gain any advantage because I knew the dudes. Uh, you know, I mean, who was doing radio shows like Stu and Stu Harvey was doing Mondo Bizarro back then, and and uh, he might have been doing Short Fast there back then actually. But he was doing Mondo Bizarro off that on Triple R, and there was a hard report on Triple R. But I was never using the influence there like people that I yeah. through that because I just didn't wasn't into that sort of stuff so I don't know I think um, um, it just I think I got to a point where um, I got and Within Blood was sort of was only like a one album band we did a one album and a seven inch and then pretty much that was it yeah um, so that sort of petered out um, then I was doing nothing for a little bit so I suppose I focused a bit more on the, on the job thing and mm-hmm. And I got to a certain stage at Shock where I was like second in charge, second to IC in telesales. Yeah. Having some more and more and more like, big, like bigger clients and stuff. So, and then I got a job offer from Stomp, which was a distribution company um, back then who were doing like Revelation, Equal Vision, Trustkill, Ferret, um, Victory, doing all the hardcore and punk labels, right? And so yeah. I, I used to, I've got to thank actually. He's not listening, but this guy there was a store in Queensland called Mosh Pit Music mm-hmm. in Maroochydore. Uh, there was a guy that used to run that store. Phil it was awesome. I mean, they back then like the Brisbane Brisbane had a gangst all these hardcore bands and that and yeah. a few others who escaped me. Um, but up in Maroochydore, they had this like punk and metal store which was did really 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 well. Like it was just like mm. selling a stack of. You know, he was one of my one of my clients that when I was at shock on, on the phone and. And he recommended I like, stop after a, a, a more of a head of sales type guy to to look after all this hardcore and punk stuff, and he put me forward for it. And then I got this call from Stomp, and they're like, "Hey, blah, blah, you know Phil?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah." He goes, "Oh, we got a job going." And I was like, "Oh, cool." So this is like the next progression for my yeah um, career, I suppose. And um, I wasn't playing a band that I don't think because within Blood might have been petering out, like I said. So I got a job at Stomp, and I was looking after like all the JB Hi-Fi stores around the country and the, and the big independent stores and, and they're selling, you know, like Thursday, you know, and taking back Sunday records, you know, yeah, like, yeah. All that, so, and all the, the victory, equal vision and revelation and trust, kill and ferret sort of stuff back then. So mm. music sort of went a bit away for a bit and then a career came into it a bit, I suppose then. Yeah. Cause it was like, all right, I've got a legit job. Not, not the top before jobs went before, weren't legit, but all right, I'm starting to, you know, earn some half decent money and and mm. and it can't go in you know fucking half baked you know as much as what i used to you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. you know but all you that and your all, mind on it a little bit yeah a little bit more and then, and then it was a bit more responsibility in life and i was like until you're getting older you start to go all right i'm getting to my late what was it maybe late 20s by then i'm not sure mm. um maybe i should start thinking about this as, as a career proper career you know yeah, yeah. I, I think by the time it's, i left shock and i'd done that I was thinking, all right, this is what I want to go into. Mm. Um, and then when I was there, I was only at Stock for three years, but I got into a bit of label managing there, looking after the Truskill Ferret labels. And that's when I got the taste of like, oh, this is, I like this. Yeah. And so where did you go from there? What was what was the point that really pushed you beyond that? Um, well, the, the Epitaph, who I'm, who I'm very lucky, I've worked for the last 11 years, they mm. 
but they wanted to have someone in Australia, like as an Epitaph Australia. Yep. So this guy, Eric Cherry, um, flew out from Los, came out from Los Angeles. Um, this, sorry, so when I was still at shop, just to rewind a bit, he came and flew out from, he went to the LA office, mm-hmm. um, Eric, um, came out and started Epitaph like Australia type, type guy. He was the Epitaph guy in Australia. And I was at shock when he first came out here, you know, this guy from Los Angeles, didn't know anybody. And we just connected, we clicked, you know, we got on about music, whether it be Black Flag to whoever to whoever, we just got yeah. on. So we were mates. Um, we hung out a lot and, and whatnot. And then I left and went to Stomp, like I said, and, and he was still doing the Epitaph thing. And then he gives me a call one day and just goes, hey, and we were still hanging out while I was at Stomp, you know, and he'd still send me Epitaph releases and I was still, you know, keeping an eye out what was going on around. And mm-hmm. he just said, oh, I'm actually going to bail out from this you know, I'm going to go into the DVD world, which he now formed, now he's got his own DVD, anime DVD company, which is killing it, it's doing really well. Yeah. He wanted to get out of music, he goes, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't want to put your name forward for the job. And I was like, oh shit, all right. Um, I've never really label managed anything, I've just done a little bit with Trust and Ferret and Revelation, like I said, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay, cool, man, oh, that'd be awesome. So he puts my name forward, and and uh, it happened so fast though, man, fuck, I was just like, what the fuck just happened? I was like, he's put my name forward. The dudes from Epitaph emailed me and go, hey, David Jones, we want to have a, a talk to you. So mm-hmm. I, have an, I have a phone interview with Los Angeles. I remember before work one day at Stomp, they're like, we're going to call you at 8 a.m. We would have an interview on the phone. So I had this phone interview. I'm like, it's just fucking weird. I was like talking to, talking to Brett Gerwitz and like, and you know, don't sound like a dick, but fuck, you're talking to this dude who's in bad religion. You're just going, yeah. what the fuck? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and I, was, I probably would have been early 30s then maybe um, yeah and the general manager Dave Hanson was, I was talking to them two on the phone you know an interview and I went for like half an hour 40 minutes I hung up and went fuck I don't know what the fuck just happened just then but you know it was yeah I think I did okay fuck I don't know and then on Monday morning they emailed me and go you got the job and I was like oh fuck alright so it sort of happened real quick and then I just I hadn't really done any level managing at all man no marketing really yeah. done sales to death for the last four or five years so mm. I had an idea of what marketing happens because I was selling to stores on the base of the marketing and then I just that just then it just happened then like 2000 April Fool's Day 2005 is when I started wow yeah I remember that it's April Fool's Day there you um, go so, so very very recent anniversary for you then yeah yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah so it happened it was just all really weird man it happened really quick and and I didn't know what the fuck I was doing yeah to be honest fuck dude I was just and what, was that was that hard then trying to learn yeah. while you were there doing it yeah I mean like Eric stayed on for a couple of weeks and would explain to me this and I had a vague idea and I'd been at shock before so I knew how the shock system sort of rang it was in the sh- they were distributed by shock so I sort of knew the people I knew people there and that and then you know a couple of people like Stu Harvey was awesome like I could totally pick his brain because he was already there and other guy League Repetta was already there who mm-hmm. got a business going now and and they were awesome just to, to, to brain pick and a guy, Ian Bennett, who's no longer around. So there was definitely help there. Like, I was so lucky, man. Like, fuck. Like, yeah. the, the amount of support you had from people that were there because they knew you just started this new job. Mm. Um, it, was, it was amazing. Yeah. And I would, yeah, I, I owe so much to so many people. Doing that. And also, Evertaf, like, they were always, like, every couple, of, I mean, there's constant contact between LA and, and myself. Mm. has been for 11 years, but... They were always like, hey, you're right. This is what we do things. So I had to learn how they did things. But it was, fuck, I grew up pretty quick, hey. And then that, yeah. Because I was just a some fucking dude playing, you grew up playing metal. He's a stoner dude, ended up playing metal, <laughs> you know, smoked way too much weed. Yeah. And then, you know, playing punk and hardcore, hardcore bands. And then just landed this job. I was like, fuck, I'm so, I was so lucky, man. Yeah. 100% lucky. Like, you know, so, um, and I then I was like, all right, I put this job at a fucking put my, you know, yeah, put it, make it, my mark, do yeah. This is my this is my career now, right? Like, yeah. I mean, also I suppose then I don't know if it was around then maybe that Sam Sara might have started. I'm not sure. Yeah, I can't, I can't, my memory's blurry, but I still was playing bands, but it was never that. Was, it sort of went from bands fun, work yeah work to like oh work bands yeah you know what yeah, I mean, yeah after a while yeah. But I guess that, that that sort of that's the evolution of people, though, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, like you know, like you know, and and you know, that, that's sort of the crossroads that I'm at now is where, like, you know, I could keep busting my ass as hard as I could in the bands, which I you know I'm still enjoying doing, and I am going to keep playing in yeah. bands and stuff. But then at the same time, I'm now starting to see 
progression and I'm starting to see sort of growth in the industry that I've chosen to work in, which is rad. So I'm not going to not take those opportunities yeah, because sure. those opportunities help me buy fucking guitars. Of course. And, yeah. You know, I, 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 I suppose like, you, you're at that stage now where are you like, I mean, obviously it's always a hobby. Like I suppose music, playing in bands was always a hobby. I suppose now if you're younger and, and, and you're playing a certain music that's popular, you may start thinking of it as a career, but you're, you're still like, this is a hobby for me. Yeah, and I, and I think... You probably enjoy it more too. Well, yeah. I do. And I, and I think the other thing for me is, like, I would obviously love to be able to go play fucking Integrity riffs or I Hate God riffs and that, you know... To the cows come home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But at the same time, I understand that playing those riffs and writing those songs for me at this point in my life, the likelihood of that yielding the salary that I can get from working yeah, yeah. in childcare yeah, is totally. nowhere near the same. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I mean, I suppose, I don't know, I suppose you, you see it as well. Like uh, th- there are bands that are doing pretty well these days, making some good money. I mean, you know, when you look at your amp, not that we're in the music, we're not playing music like that, but you know, mm. you've got your Amity Afflictions, your Parkways. Like, fuck, I mean, I remember Parkway when they first came out, they supported Within Blood in, in, um, in Brisbane. Mm. And we're, everyone was like, oh, shit, this band, they're from Byron Bay. And, they're heavy as fuck and blah, blah, blah. And we're like, what are you talking about? Who's this band? Yeah. I remember me, Matt and Brad just standing there going, oh, yeah, let's see what these guys, you know, what's, what's going on here? And they played what is sort of went, what the fuck is this? You know what I mean? It was just so, <laughs> and, and then someone had said 10 years later, hey, this band's going to be, you know, killing it around the world. They're going to be touring the world. They're probably going to live off it. You just be going, fuck, you're tripping, dude. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But so now it's, it's di- different now, yeah? Like, yeah. yeah. And I suppose if you're playing a certain genre of music that's doing well and, and you can live off it, kudos to you like yeah yeah exactly go for it but if you're into like more playing music that's not so popular but you love it which is at the end of the day really like it's got to be here yeah like in your heart of what you're playing and whether it yields you money yeah everyone's here with different reasons whether it yields you money or not is or it's just satisfaction and having fun with your mates and and yeah we can do a few tours like you you guys probably do a few tours and have a ball and yes you can you can probably still go to europe you can go to work all right need a couple of weeks off yeah, exactly. I'm going to go do a European tour and I'm going to come back. Yeah, yeah. But you still have a job to come back to, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. So it's, you're, you're in a good spot too, man, where you can still do that. You mm. know what I mean? Which is good. Which is cool. Yeah. And I mean, and that's, again, that's where, like, you know, that's another point where for me, it's important to, like, step back every now and then and go, like, holy shit. Someone just gave me a tiny amount of money, but money nonetheless, to go somewhere to fucking get drunk and play <laughs> stoner rock riffs. Like, yeah, it's awesome. even, even it's if, awesome. Even if it's to Sydney. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, You know, I mean, and, and that's where, like, I often have funny discussions with people who aren't involved with this sort of world or whatever, where it's like, you know, like, the amount of... I've travelled in Australia in the last 10 years is, like, crazy compared to people who don't do this sort oh, of stuff. Oh, 100%. I just you know? said to my friends as well, the same thing, I was like... You know, I'm get. You know, we're going to Sydney a lot and Brisbane or whatever, and Perth a lot. Mm. I'm getting to travel and play music, and nine times out of ten, we have our cost cut. We don't make money, but hey, you know, it's a holiday. Yeah, exactly. You know, I would never have probably gone to Perth that many times, mm. or Brisbane or whatever, or, or Byron or wherever. All these times, like on my own. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I, I'm, I'm, we're super lucky that music's taken us there, and we can actually go there. And yes, we didn't make any money. You know, we, we covered our costs, but fuck, I had a good weekend. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Oh, and, and, and I mean uh, the biggest thing for me is, and you know, and like I think this is the the biggest point of reflection for me is like just all the friends I have now. Like I have friends in America, I have friends in Europe, I have friends all over the country, and those 100%. are the things that actually matter at yep. the end of the day. Correct. You know, like yep. the relationships; those are the things that are going to be the things that are important to you totally, like man. that 150 bucks for whatever yeah who the fuck cares yeah. because now i got these mates that are you know they're life mates at this point in my life i'm going to keep in contact with yeah, them for, sure. for as long uh, as i can 100 you know? percent. that's exactly right man i mean you know there's people in per- it's everyone you get you know you travel around and, and you get these people in different cities who will always be good mates and whether you go back up there for work i'll go up there and i'll see graz that resists you know he put out uh, one of our first record within blood like mm. 98 and but me and him were still close but it was because of that but you know and we're, and we're still really close you know what i mean and there's, yeah and like nigel and matt all these guys were in my wedding party you know what i mean i'm like i didn't i met them through music man you know what i mean yeah, like, yeah. and it's just it's those relationships you you wouldn't have 
had if you hadn't you know done that yeah know? and it's just and it's 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 awesome man like i yeah like you said like it's it's just it's amazing like you there's friends for life there you know what i mean yeah yeah and internationally exactly. as well i mean i haven't toured internationally well i played in japan once but um that was just one random thing but i mean you've probably played overseas more than what i have but even i'm, I'm lucky through the, through the label like i mean I, i'm i've made some some of my good friends right in bands like you know keith every time i die or fucking all those guys andy like we we talk a lot you know and i wouldn't i'm very lucky that i've made friends that way too you know what i mean yeah like, yeah super lucky man like and you get to deal with people who are very similar minded you know and and it's mm. music and you get to it's, i'm not touring but i'm just meeting them in a different way that you what you are but, yeah yeah but for it's sure. still but it's all it's, it's like that saying which is so cheesy you're all cut from the same cloth it's like fuck it's just we are yeah yeah no that's cool well i think that's a pretty good place to leave yeah, it yeah man hey, sorry i probably rambled a bit no too no much. it's fine do you have anything that you want to advertise or promote to people that are listening nah, to this. No. Just keep listening to music, man. Yeah. It's good advice. Yeah. That's good advice. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for coming and doing the podcast. Thanks, Aaron.